You're watching No Go Zone with Henry. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here this uh, Thursday, Tours Touche Dog Thursday. If you're new, I'm Henrik. Check out Red Eyes TV and RedEyesMembers.com. Speaking of which, we just had the latest Western Warrior up on the website. That's right. We've uh, actually officially rebranded the show and <laughs> that's partially because of the schedule and stuff too it's uh changed for various reasons so uh it's it's more likely to be out on a on a weekday as opposed to a weekend but anyway you know new year new uh new uh fancy uh intros and stuff like that as well you know new look eh, to a certain extent a little bit anyway it's always always good good to begin uh begin fresh uh i mean ch check out this intro that we did just for the uh for the members show western warrior uh say what you think look at this you're watching Western Warrior with Henrik and Lana, exclusively for Red Ice members. Ah, not too bad. That's that's worth the uh, <laughs> that's worth the members uh, fee ten bucks right there. No, anyway, uh, it was a good show. Check it out. Uh, good stuff. Western Warriors, so don't be surprised when we say Western Warrior uh, or you see that in the menu on the website or something like that. So now you know what's going on. All right. Anyway, uh, a couple of more housekeeping things real quick here before we dive in. We have a lot of uh, things lined up. Thank you, whoever sent the uh, uh, George Floyd Creepy Pasta, Volume 1, uh, mind you. Is that in focus? I think that is in focus. Very cool stuff. I've actually heard some <laughs> some of the 50-plus break breathtaking Horror stories. I've actually heard a few of those. I forget how I came across them, but they're kind of they're kind of entertaining. I gotta say. So anyway, thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out. Uh, was it uh, where did I hear that? Someone had sent one to like Lower and Southern as well, I think, or something like that. Uh, anyway, we also got a really cool. Uh, do, you, do you guys know the the, the Gothic boar that we use? Uh, this logo right here. Uh, very nice. Uh, let me see. I got to remind myself and read the uh, postcard again here. I'm not going to re read it all out, um, but very nice. Let me see. What was the address here again? I got to find it right. Slovenia. That's right. Slovenia. Someone made a little kind of necklace thing. Actually, wearing that uh, right now. Let's see where it is. Here it is. That's, you're never going to be able to see that. But anyway, very nice. They took the little board design and actually made that into like a nice necklace. As I said, that's very small, so you can't see that. But anyway, that that design, very cool. <laughs> Thank you, man. That was that's very nice of you. We might actually reach out see if we can make more of those, and we can uh, uh, we might sell some of those. Anyway, thank you. And we also got a very nice package from Freya's Magic. Um, very nice, like various things like beard oils. Uh, foaming sugar scrub lemongrass very nice I guess this is a little bit of a late Christmas gift here Nordic gold all-purpose lanolin balm see a lot of cool stuff like a lip balm from them and stuff like that too uh, we'll send you a proper thank you note later I just wanted to show it real real quick here too orange blossom perfume oil very nice thank you appreciate that it's very nice to be a very nice packaging as well and I appreciate that kind of thing so thank you guys very nice you're too kind okay so anyway, I think that's I think that's that when it comes to showing things, right? Uh, so yeah, we have some things lined up today. We have some NATO development news on the front of Sweden. Here we'll we'll get to that. It's the so Sweden hasn't been at war for 109 years uh, since 1814, and uh, now it looks like we're going to be closer than ever because joining NATO. So we'll <laughs> so we'll talk about that. We also have, of course, the. Uh, uh, the political circus going on in the U.S. I don't want to cover too much of that. There are some things, but 
there's some new articles out regarding actually engineering humans, making us shorter. Once some articles encourage specific mating, you know, it's funny because this has always been frowned upon. If you um, if you talk about like, oh, I want to preserve how we look as Europeans or something like that, like an intentional, like I want my kids to look like me, that kind of thing. That's evil. Uh, but now the New York Times is proposing that we intentionally mate with shorter people uh, in order to save the climate. <laughs> and it reminds me of some clips that was out, I think it was last year, and we'll replay those here today too. Some bioethicists talking about how basically we need to uh, genetically manipulate people and uh, uh, make them allergic to meat and things like this to, to to save the climate. Anyway, that's just some of the stories. We'll see how much we have time to get to today because I do have an awful lot with a few days compounded here of stuff I want to show you guys. Um, but anyway, some uh, just, uh, I guess, uh, details here real quick. Uh, if you want to join in today, Super Chats Wise, enterprisestream.live slash TV, odyssey.com at TV, and also rumble.com for slash user for slash uh, Red Eyes TV. I'll check in on those sporadically here throughout the show uh, as well. So let me see here. Let's get going on the first. I, I did want to quickly just show a little bit from the uh, from the circus in the U.S. there because we have what do we have? We have McCarthy, right? Uh, horrible, horrible uh, GOP conservative Inc. kind of guy, neocon-ish, right? Uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, who they've been trying to uh, position as the Speaker of the House uh, for, I think this is now the eighth consecutive time. Actually, tenth. Sorry, there we go. Okay, so two more came in while we were starting up here today. Um, he lost the tenth Speaker of the House vote in longest battle uh, since 1859. Farce in Congress reaches historic low in longest vote since Civil War. Uh, and I think it's good that they're holding their ground on this, this guy. He certainly doesn't... Uh, he shouldn't be there. There's certainly better people in you know position. But then, when you look at the lineup of people that they have available, eh, you know what I mean. And you think people like you know Jim Jordan. He talks a big game. This is probably like I don't know the fourth or fifth nomination or something like that. Uh, but he, you know, you think some of these people were like, let's do something different. Let's do someone else, right? But they he he went on to nominate Kevin McCarthy. And uh, by the way, check out the. Uh, uh, what would you call these? The the secretariat, the uh, the the main, the one that's speaking now on the mic here. How she has to be fed these lines? You think this would be like second nature to some of these people? Like you, this is your one job. You can like, do you have to read on a paper for this line that she'll deliver? But anyway, uh, yeah, check this out. Jim Jordan is is uh, nominating Kevin McCarthy. Even Trump folded on this apparently. Right? <laughs> it's like, really? You're gonna get? You're gonna choose this guy who stabbed you in the back? Anyway, it's the same old nonsense, right? Gentleman from Ohio, seek recognition. I rise to nominate Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. Bunch of crooks, all of them. I think this was like the fourth or fifth time, or maybe the third time or something, uh, and they just the can't uh, stand agree. Uh, thank. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. He goes on to, to, to mention something there. Uh, but yeah, the only one, uh, one of the few ones actually standing their ground is Bobert. Here, here's uh, Kevin McCarthy here. I, forget, I I don't follow some of these mainstream GOP kind of battles back and forth and stuff. It's it's quite boring. There's so many other channels, mega channels that do that. Uh, 
but if they at least can keep keep that guy out, sure, that would be actually pretty pretty good to be honest. Uh, but um, oh, we'll get to that one. Bobert, where did that go? Yeah, this I wanted to play real quick. Um, Lauren Bobert have actually stood her ground on this, and I guess she's one of the one of the reasons uh, why they can't get McCarthy uh, uh, through the finish line here, which is always good. So, so anyway, you and I- she, she went on. Uh, oh, this is five minutes. Let's play a little bit of this then. Uh, Hannity, <laughs> and uh, and she was like shouted at for by him, as far as I understand it. Listen, others fought hard for a motion to vacate, with only five Republicans able to trigger that 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 motion. Uh, Kevin McCarthy didn't want to give it to you, but he did give it to you in the end. To me, that's kind of an insurance so, Sean, policy. I, Can I finish? But he didn't all the way. He did Wait not. A sure. He he gave you what you asked for. And one of the things that I've been asking people, I'm asking you tonight, who is your final choice for speaker? And if you can't get more than, let's say, 30 votes, will you follow your own advice uh, that you are asking Donald Trump and withdraw? There are certainly names that are being floated around. And, hey, maybe I should nominate President Donald J. Trump tomorrow. But, Sean, I I did. So apparently they did that. Yawn. On this motion. It would be fun, maybe, but no more than that. One day, Donald's the other day, Trump's the next day. This motion to vacate because he did not give us this motion to vacate. I'm showing there's a a, a whole consensus of other candidates. But I'm, not, I'm trying to understand but how you're thinking This motion here. to vacate, Sean, you need to understand that that Kevin McCarthy did not give us my hard red line. He fought and for it. And this is a century old, a centuries. No, he did not. No, he, well, I know that he made the that promise. That was written by Thomas Jefferson. I know he made the promise because... With five members, Sean, with five members, not that's one right, member five. to offer the okay. motion to vacate. So He's my question is this. Nancy Pelosi's You haven't precedence. answered my question. So if you have... You cannot yesterday you supported yesterday you supported Jordan today you're supporting Sean. Donald That's not the way this Donald's. works. We need a check and a balance Donald's. on the third line. Who is <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. I don't know. They, ooh, they're yelling at each other. I, I mean, I like that she's standing her ground. So good for that. I hope that get, that Kevin McCarthy definitely do, doesn't get in. He's he's a he's a freak and a creep. Uh, that's right. Steve Steve King is the guy that he backstabbed. And he told a story at Amron actually, which which was kind of interesting. What a worm this Kevin McCarthy is, and just to like you know punish him in this way is definitely <laughs> that that's what makes it all worth just that uh, but as usual point being it's a huge uh, circus and and pointless but i guess on the democrat side we got uh, we got lurch being uh, sworn in as well let's uh, check that out congratulations senator congratulations and again and three, two, one. Thank you. Hi, family. Do you remember we talked on FaceTime? You remember that? Good. Hi. Congratulations. Very funny. Gracie, something. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. So just look this way for me. All right. Right here. Big smile. And just have your hands down your sides, nice and relaxed. Yeah. Nice and relaxed. Three, That's two, right, Lurch. One, three, two, one, and three, two, one. Thank you. Congratulations, oh, thank everyone. You. All right. Nice to see you. Good so much. Take care. Good stuff. Let's okay. let's see him walk away here. So he's uh, yeah, he's doing really good. Look at that guy. Incredible.
Incredible, incredible stuff. Yep, so he was, uh, apparently they uh, people voted for him. <clears throat> Not sure if that's true, but uh, what are you going to do? Uh, speaking of uh, political circus, we didn't cover this at, at the time, but apparently he's been sworn in now too. Uh, it's from a few days ago, before Christmas actually, before Yule. Incoming congressman claims his grandparents fled the Holocaust, contradicted, <laughs> contradicted by geology, ge genealogy records. Thank you. Um, let's play. Let's play what they say here on CNN. I think they have. Now <clears throat> you have to understand why. Why in the world would they? Is a little bit of an ad here. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, why in the world would he be lying about this kind of stuff? Why is this? Why is this? Uh, you know, advantageous, right? You gotta, you gotta ask yourself those kinds of questions here. Let's see how they cover this here. Look, uh, as I always joke, I'm Jew-ish. <laughs> Throughout his campaign, Republican <laughs> Congressman-elect George Fantastic. Santos would refer to himself again. as... Look, uh, as I always joke, I'm Jew-ish. <laughs> Throughout his campaign, Republican... We, we have the best people, folks, in office. ...would refer to himself as half-Jewish or a Latino Jew, often telling his grandparents' story, how he says they survived the Holocaust as Ukrainian Jewish refugees and converted to Catholicism, changing their surname to survive. Here's how Santos explained it just last month in an interview with the Jewish News Syndicate. I'm very proud of my, my grandparents' story, my grandfather fleeing uh, Ukraine, fleeing Stalin's persecution, going to, to Belgium, finding refuge there, marrying my grandmother, then fleeing Hitler, going to, to, to Brazil. That's a story of, of... It's an incredible story, folks. And that's all it is. It's just a story of perseverance. It's a story that may not be true. His misrepresentations of his family history first reported by the Jewish publication The Forward and his story contradicted by numerous sources reviewed by CNN's K-File, <laughs> records from the Holocaust Museum and the international... It's funny on these kinds of things, they do like a lot of deep dive, kind of like historical research and finding out. And, and then there's so many other things that are just like right in the open in front of your nose, which you think that they could also do a little bit of research on. Uh, and, or, or basically you just kind of, you know, tell, tell uh, what actually happened, just tell the truth. But for some reason, they don't do that. Uh, but exposing this guy, uh, I'll take it. Center on Nazi persecution, which keeps records on Jewish refugees, show no mention of Santos's grandparents. One genealogist who helped research Santos's family tree at CNN's request said there's no sign of Jewish and or Ukrainian heritage and no indication of name changes along the way. I'm so know. proud to be able to keep our family going forward and showing that not only did we survive, but now I'm able to go advocate and fight for other Jewish people. <laughs> Santos has not responded to CNN requests about his family history and discrepancies with his resume and biography. People are perplexed. I, 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 I also love that they're using this like this is some kind of a rarity. Like if you look at most of the people in this environment and this political sphere, they're all a bunch of liars and parasites and the scum and the worst kind of people that should never, ever come close to power. Uh, but uh, th there is a twist to this, of course, which is like, did you manage to get elected because of the <laughs> because of these things he said? Uh, it's very possible. It, it's it's definitely probable. They're asking me, how could somebody possibly tell this scale of lies and get elected? 
Among the seeming misrepresentations, <laughs> first How is it possible, folks? How, how in the world can they get away with lying like this? Tailed by the New York Times and confirmed by CNN, Santos's biography has at times claimed he earned degrees in finance and economics from Baruch College and New York University. CNN found he also said in at least two separate interviews he received an MBA from NYU. Today, I stand very proud with the bachelor's and master's degree, all New York educated, Baruch College and NYU for my MBA. A spokesman for NYU telling CNN something different. The university records do not reflect anyone with that name having attended NYU. <clears throat> what a shocker, eh? Uh, was it uh, was it Tucker? Oh, no, it was uh, it was the Hawaiian uh, gal going on uh, Tucker confronting the guy, too. See if we can get this one without an ad, huh? Congressman-elect George Santos admits lying about education, work experience, but vows to be sworn in. Let me refresh this. Let's see if this works here. Here we go. What's her name again? In his first national TV interview, Congressman-elect George Santos is addressing serious claims about his past. CBS 2's Elijah Westbrook takes a look at what Santos is saying after troubling questions were raised. Troubling questions. I made a mistake. And I think humans are flawed, yeah, and we all make right. mistakes. The 34-year-old Republican congressman-elect George Santos is apologizing for allegations regarding his alleged false school and work history. Santos appeared on Fox News last night, his first televised interview since the New York Times bombshell report. It claims he never graduated from Baruch College, never worked at Goldman Sachs, and is not related to anyone who survived the Holocaust. The thing is, congressman... So is this... Uh <laughs> Does that make him our guy? <laughs> Not Goldman Sachs. Uh, was it BlackRock? I forget what it's did. Some some goddamn parasitical banker, <laughs> and then uh, not being. <laughs> is this, maybe he's uh, maybe he's doing something here. We just have to wait to kind of see what the fruits of the labor is. We'll see. Congressman elect, uh, integrity means yes, carrying yourself with honor. But it means it means telling the truth. I'm not a fraud. I'm not a fake. I I, I didn't materialize from thin air. As for the claim, Santos <laughs> works for companies like Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. He tried explaining that too, saying he worked indirectly with the firms while employed by another company. We can debate my my resume and how I worked with firms such as Goldman. Is and it Citigroup debatable or is it long. just false? But, no, it's not false at all. It's it's debatable. Today, some New York lawmakers are calling for the House Ethics Committee to investigate. They include another Long Island Republican congressman-elect Nick LaLota, as well as Congressman Richie Torres, a Democrat. Uh, George Santos is a pathological liar who defraud... I, I, I love that. I guess in some cases, too, they throw a bone like this to kind of give the fake appearance that there is oversight, that there is review of these kinds of things. And when someone gets caught, they get called out, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> which gives you that illusion uh, and an appearance that like, no, 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 it's very, this is, look at that guy. He was exposed. If No, no, if, if they were, if we had a bunch of liars in there, uh, you know, elected for Congress and for Senate and all these things, that would have been exposed by now because that's what the media does when a fraud and a phony shows up. No, no, no it's, it's the guy that, Try to you know ride on the uh, on the Holocaust card. Uh, <laughs> that's called out, right? No, no, he's a he's a danger. We got we got to expose that guy. Audited the voters of New York State, that he should be held accountable. I have trouble believing that he legitimately lent his campaign ninety four percent of his salary. Where there's smoke, there's fire. 
and there needs to be an investigation. Republican leadership hasn't commented much on the controversy, but former GOP Congressman Peter King told CBS2 he doesn't think Santos should resign. Obviously, he went beyond almost anything anyone has done before, but it's not a crime. You should be <laughs> sworn in, but after that, there should, should be an immediate investigation. Well, despite growing concerns for the... All right, anyway, you get the point. I thought that was funny, actually. Uh, I don't think we'll play... What was it? Yeah, there was some other tiffies over this, and there was... Uh, I think they're both... John K- Kernan, I think he's Jewish, too, so he had a kind of a dog in that fight, but he was... Uh, uh, talk with Frank Luntz or something, and I guess Frank Luntz was backing Santos up or something, or said that this is just a, a charade. And I, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's it's kind of petty tiffy fights, to be honest. Now, one story that was kind of interesting, and it's it's stuff that we know, but it's good to get this on uh, on paper, so to speak, uh, regarding the uh, the Twitter files. I forget which one this is. Is this eleventh or something like that? Uh, read few uh, read through a few of those. Uh, real quick here, uh, what do we have? Uh, Jimmy Fallis over on NTP says, uh, LOL, he identifies as a Ukrainian Jew. That's almost as gay as Zelensky. Hashtag smash with Scott. Smash with Scott. That's right. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, yes, yeah, so the Twitter files, Twitter and the FBI belly button. By 20, let me read a few of these here. This is, this is, um, they claim that the one thing the First Amendment actually is can do for us you know because you can't do anything about my private company if, if people ban you and censor you and things like that because they can of course always just do whatever the hell they want until they you know start hiring like all white people or something like that but anyway um the government is not supposed to <laughs> censor people uh, that's the one guarantee we have, right? The First Amendment, you no know, government and, and its agencies can come in and coerce or try to force people to get silenced and stuff. But of course, that's exactly what has happened. Uh, remember that time the uh, CDC was, you know, targeting certain tweets and stuff like that, and one of mine was flagged by them and stuff. But anyway, let, let, me, let me read here. By 2020, Twitter was struggling with the problem of public and private agencies bypassing them and going straight to the media with list of suspected accounts. In February 2020, as COVID broke out, the Global Engagement Center, uh, the GEC, a fledgling analytics slash intelligence arms of the State Department, went to the media with a report called Russian Disinformation Apparatus Taking Advantage of Coronavirus Concerns. Here's a uh, screenshot of the report here from the GEC. The GEC flagged accounts as, quote, Russian personas and proxies based on criteria like describing the coronavirus as an engineered bioweapon, Hmm. blaming research conducted at the Wuhan Institute and attributing the appearance of the virus to the CIA. I guess that was that was outlawed. State also flagged accounts that retweeted news that Twitter banned uh, news that Twitter banned the popular U.S. Zero Hedge, claiming the episode, quote, led to another flurry of disinformation narratives. Zero Hedge had done reports speculating that the virus had lab origins. I remember that. They got their account back after that, of course. This is them directly pointing them out, going to them, uh, to Twitter, and then, you know, basically saying all these things. <laughs> like, you need to ban these accounts. You need to censor these guys. The GEC still led directly to news stories like the AP, AFP's headline, Russia-linked disinformation campaign led to coronavirus alarm, USS, and a political story about how, quote, Russian, Chinese, Iranian disinformation narratives echo one another. Well, maybe that's because 
they are true. Maybe that, maybe that, that could, have you thought about that? You haven't made a Russia attribution in some time. When Clemson's media forensics hub complained Twitter hadn't made a Russia attribution in some time, trust and safety chief Yul Roth said it was revelatory of their motives. Luckily, he's out now. We're happy to work directly with you on this instead of NBC. Roth tried in vain to convince outsider researchers like the Clemson lab to check with them before publishing or pushing stories about foreign interference to the media. Screenshot of the uh, email here. Uh, Twitter was also trying to reduce the number of agencies with access to Roth. If these folks are like House Homeland Committee and DHS, once we give them direct contact with Yol, they will want to come back to him again and again, said policy director Carlos Monage. When the State Department and the GEC, remember this was in 2020 during the Trump administration, wanted to publicize a list of 5,500 accounts it claimed would, quote, amplify Chinese propaganda and disinformation about COVID, Twitter analysts were besides them, or beside themselves. The GEC report appeared uh, based on DHS data circulated earlier that week and included accounts that followed two or more Chinese diplomatic accounts. They reported that report, they reportedly, can't read it today, ended up with a list nearly 250,000 names long and included Canadian officials and a CNN account. Well, the CNN account won't, won't, be, won't be that bad, right? Uh, but anyway, pointing 250 uh, accounts that U.S. government agencies uh, wanted Twitter to suspend. And of course, as we know, this goes, uh, this goes, where's that clip? I had one clip of, uh, I think it's Matt Taibbi talking about that. He basically, uh, to paraphrase that, I listened to it earlier, um, a lot of this with the Twitter files have obviously just been about Twitter. Uh, but clearly this is the case when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to uh, Google, you know, their search results, when it comes to sites such as Wikipedia. And I remember this is well over a year ago, maybe two years ago now, uh, where there were stories about how when government had uh, federal federal um, holidays, you know, like banking, uh, bank holidays and stuff like that, there were less edits on Wikipedia. Uh, and it was, just, it was like an indirect way of saying that basically the majority of those who edit Wikipedia is actually uh, state assets at this point. Uh, and they're basically basically pushing a narrative on Wikipedia. Uh, so again, to emphasize, and I, I know you guys understand this and get this, but these are the very things that should not happen. Like if I'm not saying it's okay if Twitter did it on its own or if Facebook did it on its own. But at least there they've made the argument where like, oh, they can do it. This is not, of course, true. I, I would like to change that. Maybe we can uh, uh, pass a law that says, no, this is too important. You must also be, if you're going to have protection uh, under Section 230 of the, uh, you know, the Communications Act, you basically uh, have to honor the First, uh, First Amendment. But so that's not what they what they've done. Uh, but now it's like direct involvement by government agencies to go in and censor. And anyway, this thread goes on here. Uh, Roth saw GEC's move as an attempt by the GEC to use intel from other agencies to insert themselves into the content moderation club that included Twitter, Facebook, the FBI, DHS, and others. So now you know why social media is aligned when it comes to driving these narratives of like, uh, you know, white supremacy or if there's some uh, wrong right winger that have said something that needs to be banned or something like that. 
they have massive control of this. And we've been led, led to believe, of course, that it's just like, uh, you know, leftists on their own or whatever. No, this is government agencies and the people behind them. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, here's that. Let me see if I can grab that real quick, actually, that link. Um, I think it's Taibi talking about this. Let me see if I can download that. Where is it? Here it is. I don't think you guys can hear this. I got to download that. That's okay. That sucks. Let's do that later then. Um, the other thing too, we can actually mention. Oh wait, maybe we can play. Can we play it in the browser? Uh, uh, at the beginning. Yeah, here we go. Okay, great, great. Let's play it. Beginning of the story. In in relative terms, Twitter is a smaller player. I mean, you have Facebook and Google that that dwarf it in size. I mean, uh, we've got to assume that those two companies are as penetrated as Twitter has been. Don't we? Yes, and, and there's evidence for that. Uh, certainly, we've seen uh, that they had what they called weekly uh, or monthly industry meetings with the DHS and the FBI. Uh, and those included an, a number of companies, including Facebook, in some cases, Wikipedia, Pinterest. Uh, there were a whole series of companies that were included in, in these communications. Um, how deep the penetration goes in, in those other companies, I can't say, but I do know that they had very close communications. And in Twitter's case, the number of requests that, that came in was really overwhelming. Your previous guest, Michael Schellenberger, talked about how they were uh, paid $3 million by the FBI. They were underpaid. They were doing so much work for the government in terms of uh, reviewing these documents that uh, they, they should have been compensated a lot more for their work. That How should be can legal it be right a there. free society or a democracy if law enforcement and... All right. Anyway, <clears throat> I think that's Matt. Is that Matt Taby? I think it is, right? Uh, wow, shocker. Can you believe it? <clears throat> We're being uh, banned and censored by the, uh, by the state, by the FBI, uh, government agencies. Uh, incredible. Of course, one of the places that all these freaks are fleeing to, you know, all the blue check marks and the leftists on Twitter, it's kind of funny. This is actually a long story. So we're not going to go through that, but uh, I've seen it. Uh, promoted multiple times Mastodon. I think, wasn't it Gab that tried to do something early on by using Mastodon or you like kind of piggybacking on their apps to push or push, but to like get access to the app store and things like that? I forget. I, I think that fell apart uh, and something happened there. But regardless, uh, it turns out that the uh, Mastodon social media platform, and I think you can like set up your own instances, what is it, the Fediverse, I think they call it, which is. Now, speaking on the previous story, but anyway, it's dominated by pedophiles and child porn. So, of course, these people would flee into that, right? Uh, SecJuice is the uh, website here. Following a SecJuice investigation, uh, it has become clear that Mastodon is a social media platform dominated by pedophiles and most of, it con- most, most of its content is child pornography. Wow, how fascinating. Can you believe it? Uh, so anyway, they go through this. I read like half of the piece uh, yesterday. A lot of important stuff in there if you want to like dig deep into this. Uh, but basically one of the reasons why people don't also find find this apparently, they went through in the article, uh, is that there's some kind of like search ban or you can't like do, so, you, you can't basically see uh, like an open feed like you can on Twitter. Most of that is like locked. So you have like just these bubbles created as far as I understand it. Uh, but of course, so obviously, uh, you'd have a major pedophile problem, which is kind of interesting then, because when you think about it, when when Musk took over, and and I call, I mean, that's a win on itself. If that's the only and singular thing that came out of the Twitter takeover, uh, is that they actually 
managed to do something about child pornography on Twitter, which was huge, like massive. Shocking when you think of it, right? All these uh, Yol Roths at uh, Twitter apparently didn't target child pornography, but oh, did they target right-wingers and uh, so-called white uh, nationalists and supremacists, right? Uh, but so, of course, these uh, people who were fleeing Twitter goes to a platform that's just like littered uh, with child pornography, a virtual pedo paradise. Uh, shocking, isn't it? All right. I thought we should, uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of fleeing from Twitter, uh, as these crazy leftists have done, Let's uh, let's check in how the feminists are uh, are doing. Today was my first day as a stay-at-home girlfriend. After a couple glorious years at home together, my boyfriend got a new job that he needs to go into the office for. I spent the day thinking about codependency and domesticity, about how weird it felt to be alone. I cleaned the same way we did together every day, but now it kind of felt like I was doing it for him. I thought about how it would be nice for him to come home to a clean house, and then I felt weird about staying home and cleaning while he was at work. And then I played with the children and this disgusting Dobby toy that they love. I thought about the feminist wave in the late 20th century that moved women from the home into the office. And then I thought about how maybe that's what the capitalist system wanted all along. I thought about how my mother worked three jobs when I was- Yeah, are you just figuring that out? You're dumb. Like, your your uh, godmother was a CIA agent. <laughs> We've been over this many, many times. ...kid and then stayed home when my siblings were young and how she felt guilty both times. I dropped off some orders at the post office and thought about how no one really needs any more clothes. I thought about how cool and confident I felt in these sunglasses in the rain. I thought about how running a small and ethical business was a radical act. And then I thought about the fact that I was a woman at home sewing while my partner was at work. I thought about the fact that fashion is so intertwined with capitalism that there would be no fashion industry without the exploitation of women, of my migrant labor and of racist colonial trade practices. I've been thinking about going on Shark Tank. I thought about how their money was going to be spent anyway, and I might as well have a say in where it goes. I thought about standing in front of them and pitching my business in terms of numbers and profits. I thought about my grandmother standing in front of the anti-American activities committee in the 50s and refusing to name names. Oh, so a communist, huh? Hmm. Fascinating. Who could have guessed? I thought about the women that send me pictures in my clothes on their birthdays and anniversaries. Then I thought about how good it feels to get dressed in clothes you love. I thought about how I would like to be taken out for a nice dinner. I thought about how I miss my boyfriend. I thought about how exhausting it is to think like this and how important oh it is to talk God. like this. I thought about all the- It's exhausting hearing you thinking about all these things. Like, stop it. Women in the world who spend so much time alone with their thoughts. And I thought I'll probably think all of this again tomorrow because- I I, I, I don't know. Uh, this is apparently this is norm normal uh, activities for uh, for feminists. Uh, the feminist was a spy, right? Gloria Steiner, remember this? About uh, this might not be the best source here, but uh, uh, yes, she took um, um, money from the uh, from the uh, CIA, I believe. They they sponsored certain. Uh, events that they had. We've shown some of the screenshots and even articles at the time that came out. Uh, the CIA and feminism. Anyway, so basically, it's all the same. That's the point. Like that was the the main. It's still a gay op. I'm not saying that, but that was like the main gay op back then. Uh, now it's like working with social media to push like you know all the pedophile stuff and things like that. Uh, anyway, here's a here's here's another one. Uh, I guess a little uh, little graphic warning uh, content here, but uh, hey, I saw it, so now you have to. Okay, uh, this is some of the other things that uh, they're up to. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what this is about, but apparently there's always something with the vagina. It's like remember the ones that were knitting out of her vagina, all these things that were remember the feminist that used uh, yeast from her vagina to bake bread. This is this is what they this is what they do. This is this is how it works uh, over there. Uh, you might have seen this, and I push pushed I pu- published. Well, I guess that is pushing them. Uh, on uh, our Telegram a little bit too, so you might have seen some of these, but I thought that this uh, <laughs> it's gonna be worth checking in on as well. Um, <clears throat> adult star turned data scientist. I had more sex than showers in 2022. Uh, apparently, this data scientist thing, like they're they're uh, re- reading all their uh, their stats and stuff. Oh, did I not import that? I have to import that. The body count things and. Uh, the most gross, uh, disgusting stuff that they're that they're um, doing these women. But anyway, ex OnlyFans star reveals uh, too much information list on a number of times she showered in 2021. Uh, here she is, right here. So I guess um, uh, went outside 222, pooped 194 times this one year, worked 100, 137 times, socialized 165, took Adderall. Yes, 126 times, drank alcohol, so wine ant too, 118 times, danced 64, had sex 63, cried 59, vote, wrote rather 51, gamed 44, had a good meal 42. Uh, so what was the, uh, yeah, 63, where's the, sh- the showers then? Anyway, uh, this is uh, this is women now. This is some of the uh, things that they're struggling with. And, and apparently this body count thing, this was uh, Felix Rex on, on uh, Twitter. Uh, Navy hat, what's it, what's it called again? Uh, Bl- uh, Black Pigeon Speaks, right? He, he did this one. Uh, now that she's ready to settle down, should her body count even matter to to a prospective suitor? Uh, and of course, all of this has to do with, you know, hookup culture and pu- pushing these kinds of things, right? This totally degenerate, and, and everything is like turning to OnlyFans now too. These are some of the like <laughs> like things that these people are uh, are involved in, right? Uh, but yeah, pretty uh, pretty gross. Uh, but, but apparently, this is like normal now. And coincidentally, of course, we have uh, uh, yet again, folks, uh, over representation of a certain group uh, when it comes to these websites uh, where people go to hook up and uh, get uh, STDs. Essentially, can you believe it? It's pretty incredible, isn't it? Uh, anyway, let's go to the other uh, data, the data uh, statistics here too, right? Uh, maybe this is something to uh, with the STEM, right? There was pushing the, the STEM things on women. Uh, where here's some other ones they're doing her uh, wrap-up data statistics uh, video. I think it's probably on TikTok uh, called Sh- Shagify Wrapped 2022. Uh, warning about gross language here too, by the way. Let's go. So how many sexual partners did I have in the 2022 season? I had 55 in total. Uh, of those, 44, uh, 54 were new to me, which is an average of 1.05 partners a week, which I'm pretty proud of, I can't lie. Um, so I'm now up to a total current partner number of 91. Only 12 of them I shagged more than once and 38 of them were met through swingers clubs of course they were the gender split it's done into men and women because as far as i know i didn't shag anybody non-binary so (laughs) in total we had 33 men 10 of which had big dicks which i'm counting as seven inches or bigger 
<laughs> this is good. This is great stuff here. Uh, this, yeah, this is uh, women in STEM, folks. It's uh, <clears throat> d- data analysis and statistics. This is what it turned into, folks. Women, twenty-one women, uh, which I feel is pretty, pretty good, giving lots of bisexual energy. Two of those were milfs. <laughs> of those twenty-one women, um, five of them, at least, I was there confirmed first time with another girl. With two more were either potentially their first time or very early on into their you know, shagging women journey. Injuries are received, uh, a nipple piercing, a a dual nipple piercing infection, um, a ripped nipple piercing, which actually I received as a result of getting out of the shower, but it, you know, affected my sex life. So we're counting it there. So I don't have to take responsibility for it. Uh, A cut urethra from someone's fingernails and a bruised nose from where someone was sat on my face at a bit of an angle. And it Someone sat on her face. But you know what? Hashtag no regrets. I'd rather have someone sat on my face than a nose that isn't bruised. <laughs> my favourite shags of the year was my first greedy girl gangbang. I think, you know, shagging 14 oh, people great. in one Good. night was pretty impressive of me. And I'm very proud of myself for it. Uh, the spontaneous threesome I had near my birthday. Again, it was just really horny. And I loved it. And it was it was wonderful. And then the first time I shagged in a gay club toilet was also very unexpected and the moon went back to mine and it was hot gross so here Look are the this. list of firsts i will whiz through these my first milf my first swingers club my first penetrative all right okay i've i've heard enough of that uh <clears throat> yeah i guess they, these are trends these are tiktok trends now these women are doing this kind of shit uh over 50 percent of liberal white women under 30 have mental health issues are we worried yet? Do you remember some of this? Thank you again, uh, media, for uh, for pushing this and you know hookup culture and all these uh, magazines that like you know easy uh, casual sex and you know all this kind of degeneracy, right? That's what <laughs> that's what they're that's what this is uh, this was leading to. And of course, uh, another consequence of this, where's my screenshot out here, uh, is this one was going around. Forty-five percent of women will be single and childless by 2030. I hadn't checked out this. I saw that the screenshots was going around. I think this is a YouTube video, so I got to actually look at what the stats are. It, it could be like maybe slightly exaggerated, but it's probably fairly close to the truth. To be honest, <laughs> that's how bad it is right now. Uh, and you know, again, long term, right? Long term. Hey, look. Um, Maybe this is not the kind of uh, kind of gang you want uh, to reproduce and have a lot of kids. So, so, so maybe nature wins at the end of the day. Anyway, uh, the second wanderer on entropy says, uh, "Hail the penguins! May the gods and goddesses continue to shower their blessings upon you all." Thank you. That's very kind of you. Thank you for the support, second wanderer. Always good to see you. I uh, hope you had a wonderful uh, Yule, Christmas, and uh, New Year's as well. Well, to everyone out there, of course. Um, Feels feels good. Feels like it's going to be a good year, to be honest. A lot of good things, hard things, but also good stuff. All right, so I'm actually I'm a, I'm optimistic. I'm actually very um, very excited uh, about what's uh, what we're going to achieve next, to be honest. Okay. So speaking of, so this is of course uh, women, right? All the 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 thank thank God we have women, women in power, and getting more women, right? Uh, and that's of course what is happening right now with NATO and the women that largely are responsible, not only them, but they're largely responsible for pulling us uh, into the 
potential coming uh, open, you know, kind of conflict with Russia. Uh, Sweden and Finland join NATO. I think it's 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 official now, I believe. And there was still some there were some crazy demands that countries like Turkey had put on Sweden. And you've actually seen some of the like the head of the new coalition government. Um, oh my God, what's his name again? The boring moderate guy. Was uh, it Bengt? Oh, maybe Chad has it. What's his name again? Uh, anyway, he was actually wearing like a Sweden Turkey pin the other day. It looks like. Turkey has gotten their hands like all over Sweden all of a sudden because of the NATO thing. And of course, as usual, they're folding, right? So you have Magdalena Andersson, the Swedish uh, uh, girl there in the kind of center of the picture, uh, one on the left, who was the first Swedish prime minister, uh, first female Swedish prime minister. uh, And she wasn't in long at all, right, before being uh, replaced. The new coalition government came in. She's the one who pushed this together with Sanna Marin, who is this the, the clubber kind of ho, you know what I mean? We've talked about her before, too. Uh, she's like basically cheating on her husband while she has like a young child at home. She's out clubbing and going to bars, getting drunk and like doing cringe TikTok videos. And these are the types of women that has gotten us into this situation. So the big story here, I think is a big story because Sweden hasn't been at war in uh, 109 years. That's 1814 was officially the last time we had a little tiffy with Norway. Uh, and of course, you can argue, you know, is that partially what has led to these problems? And, you know, is there a silver lining here? And, you know, all these kinds of things. But I think we can mostly agree that uh, having more, because we know is obviously not a large immigrant population, uh, or they're not a big immigrant representation in the armed forces of Sweden. So there's going to be mostly uh, Swedish younger males and, uh, yes, now, unfortunately, females as well. And uh, and a couple of gays. We'll get to that later. But so they're the ones, who, of course, would go on and die in a conflict like this because now a NATO spokesperson, Carlos Neretkis, have told Aftonbladet, uh, he's, a, he's a major general, that if Russia were to attack... Uh, any Baltic country, any NATO country, this includes the Baltic countries, that Sweden would have to move out first, <laughs> even before uh, Great Britain uh, or the United States. Now, this headline is a little wonky because it's auto-translated, but uh, you, you, you get what, what this is, right? Uh, NATO will send Sweden into the conflict first in case there is a war uh, with Russia. The major general states... It is much faster to ship over units from Sweden than from Great Britain and the United States. Well, wait a minute. I thought they had uh, tons of uh, you know army personnel in like Poland already from NATO and stuff. As little as one or two brigades can be the tip of the iceberg waiting for other allies to get resources there, said Carlos Neretkis. So anyway, great job, you dumb idiots. We haven't been in any kind of conflict since 1814. Now these people have put, and it's so many yay-sayers on this too. I was surprised at the the, the little resistance to to joining NATO. But now they've they've put Sweden in the most dangerous, looming war crisis in almost 110 years. <laughs> these people, and of course, you're going to be sent into the meat grinder first in case this happens. You can't you can't make it up, right? Uh, they even had it here, right? The uh, where's the public? I'm sorry, foreign policy here. Let me uh, let me read. Uh, this is uh, Sweden.se, right? The, the official uh, website here. Foreign policy. 
You know, there's a lot of problems, Sweden, but you could argue like not going to war over gay shit for other interests is kind of a good thing, right? We've kind of seen how that's been exploited in, in countries like the US, right? They go in a, in, a, in a war for other interests, for example. Since a short war against Norway in 1814 in conjunction with the creation of the Union, Sweden has not been involved in any war since World War I. Sweden has pursued a policy of non-alignment in peacetime and neutrality in wartime, basing its security on a strong national defense. Of course, all of this is now out the window, and they've been uh, America's bitch and NATO's bitch for uh, for decades now. You could argue that even the whole Palme affair uh, was actually like a kind of a it was it was like a, a symbolic like takeover of the country at that point, and I didn't like uh, Olaf Palme necessarily. Uh, but it's clear that it was like stay behind armies involved and like uh, kind of Operation Gladio style things that uh, NATO has been involved in uh, that happened at the time in Sweden. Uh, but anyway, so all of that up in the air. And again, is there a silver lining? Sure, I, I don't know. But we have to be able to criticize these people and also note the fact that it's like, oh, if if only oh, if women were in charge, it would be it would be much better. It would be you know more more peacetime and things like this. Uh, well, it turns out uh, that uh, <clears throat> the, the, the few times women are in charge, they tend to go to war more <laughs> than men actually does. Can you, uh, can you believe that? Right? Isn't that, uh, isn't that interesting? And then you got to ask yourself, too, uh, what, kind of, um, what kind of military will be involved uh, as well? What kind of... Uh, and I'm going to pull in a couple of these, remind you again of some of the ad campaigns that the Swedish military have been involved in. Uh, they've been like hyper, uh, you know, political, because uh, all of this is political, of course. Let me show you a couple of the screenshots here. Uh, here's the Swedish uh, military. So that's going to join, join the battle now against Russia, right? A flag worth defending uh, is the title of this. This was an, uh, an official uh, ad uh, that the Swedish Defense Force put into, I think it was Dagen Snyhet, or maybe Svenska Dagblad, I forget which one, uh, major Swedish paper. We don't always march straight with a gay, with a gay, the gay flag uh, painted on uh, his face here. Same thing with a female. Um, <laughs> says here, <laughs> you can see the gay flag there too, uh, on the arm. Not a Swedish flag, but a uh, LGBTQIPQ plus flag. Certain things you should not have to camouflage is the line down below. This is what this is what the military, the Verschwörungsmachten, the defense power, is involved in. Absolute disgrace, and of course it gets worse as well. Let's actually uh, go over to a couple of clips here to remind you this is not uh, this is not just like the, a one-off kind of thing. Oh, it was a few years ago. No, here's another one. Uh, more important now than ever. The text says here, from again, the Swedish Defense Force, the Swedish Armed Forces have launched a campaign, this is in 2022, now in August, saying festivals for gay pride are now more important than war. And here's some uh, footage from that. <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, maybe being sent into the meat grinder is on, on second thought. Hmm. I don't think there's a single Swedish flag there, to be honest. 
I tell you, it's just, it's just, I mean, when we use the term global homo, it's not just like, you know, it's not just like an accident. It's not, it's not just being facetious. It, it, it's literally that. That is what it, oh, an Israel flag. <laughs> of course we got that. Not a Swedish flag, but an Israel flag, right? Uh, here's some more footage from this. I'm kind of, I'm like, kind of, so, sorry to say, but I'm kind of siding with like Bronze Age pervert here now a little bit, but like, maybe Putin sending the nukes is not such a bad idea. I don't know. <laughs> Can we get a comet at least? Like a, a, a major earthquake? Something. Gotta be given something here. And this is not the first time. 2018. Here's the uh, supreme commander of Sweden's, Sweden's armed forces. Uh, singing a uh, Elvis Presley song at Europride. But Henrik, they're having such a wonderful time. Why, why, why are you so negative? Why do you have to come down on these kinds of things, huh? They're just having fun. It's, uh, it's nothing wrong with this. Uh, we had those comments recently, how like if you don't support uh, NATO, you're a traitor, you know, and all these kinds of things, right? Um, so let me remind you once again where they stand. At NATO, diversity is our strength. Nous parlons une multitude de langues. Nous possédons des talents différents. Our own unique personalities. We come from all over the world, from every walk of life. No two of us are the same. We work together. Respect our needs. Embrace our differences. Because we all have one thing in common. We are NATO. There you go. Wonderful graphics at the end too. Uh, incredible stuff. Yes, here's a here's a reminder here. <clears throat> Richard Spencer says you're a traitor if you don't side with the New World Order or NATO uh, against uh, Russia. Right? You've done a couple of these uh, tweets as well, and uh, even uh, even Sanna Marin, right? The the gal here who got us into this conflict. You got a we got a glorious uh, boosting review here, uh, full endorsement from uh, from the quote alt right. <laughs> uh, but yes, so that's where we stand right now. And there's a real little, little reminder here too. 
uh, of a screenshot we showed a few. This is quite a bit back when, when this first surfaced, um, the NATO membership for Sweden and Finland, right? Uh, Finland leads way to potential NATO membership with Sweden tapping in. This was uh, uh, quoted here, Thomas Tubir. Leading Swedish member of the European Parliament, Thomas Tubir, told France 24 that he backs ending two centuries of military neutrality in Sweden. And it looks like there's some kind of like some uh, some gay, uh, some gay like vengeance against Russia here. Uh, part of the whole the whole deal. I'm not saying that's the, the only root of it. But apparently that's like a big uh, <laughs> part of the whole thing, apparently, which is kind of interesting. So they want to get to it. But the point is, uh, it will be if war does break out or if it I mean, it's already conflict. We know this, right? Open like, you know, I'm talking open conflict between Russia and NATO. Uh, the 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 gay pride military of Sweden will be sent first. Uh, maybe there's a maybe there's a silver lining in here somewhere. I don't know. You'll figure it out. All right. Uh, Lycan Warriors says uh, toxic gender relations is another huge sign of civilization slash culture decline. That's right. Uh, and of course, it's not by the time you're beginning to see the external rot, so to speak, or like the uh, or how people inside of the you know, the agencies and the government and, and positions of power have turned hostile against the entity that's supposed to represent. It's already happened. The takeover has already happened. The rot is already so deep from the inside that it's virtually impossible to, like, salvage it or, or rescue it. It's kind of like the, how people view, like, the EU or something. Or It's like, it's just so rotten and it's so unsalvageable that it's just like, let's just, let's just step away and let it just rot and all come down, and then then we can then we can build something new again because that's what we've done historically. You know, our, our history is cyclical, civilization is is cyclical, uh, and it doesn't seem we, th- th- there's nothing we can do about that. Almost, you know, it's like it, it's too powerful of forces. Uh, the rot always sets in, and it, you have to view it as a, as an organism, a, a country, a civilization is basically like an organic living thing, uh, and it will be birthed, it will live, and it will die like everything else that's alive. You know, even with the uh, longevity transhumanist researchers, that that's still what's going to happen. Um, all right, anyway, thank, thank you, Lycan. Take these on Odyssey real quick here. Uh, let me see, what do we have? Can I click, oh, I gotta click in on tips right there real quick. Hang tight while that's loading. Uh, Night Nation Review. Good to see you, Matt. Yeah, send us an email. Did you uh, reach out? Anyway, this uh, uh, this state of cultural decay must end at some point. It can't. Uh, it can only continue for so long. Yes, it 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 is. As I said, it is a. Uh, I think what it wants is people to step in and like, kind of, in, you know, be, become a target of sorts. And I'm, you know, there's a. There's nothing you can do to stop that anyway if there's individuals that kind of want to do that or, or like become a martyr essentially uh, by doing, you know, and in some cases, of course, they do dumb stuff that basically just give them what the power and the establishment want by doing something that's, you know, violent or they go and, and, and do something stupid like that essentially just to put a target on their back. But that is what it is. I mean, you, you can just you can just say like, hey, don't do those things. That's dumb. 
but it's ultimately up, uh, not up to uh, you know other people. If they do it, they do it. That's just what it is. And you could argue that that has like maybe an, an accelerationist uh, you know quality to it. And is that good? Is that you know you could argue that all day long. But at the end of the day, I don't even think we have to do much to like. You know, you could do what like Nietzsche says, right? If if it's if something's falling, you know, push it, right? If it's beginning to get to rot, sure, do things that would kind of spur that on, I guess, in a sense, just just speed up the rot. Let's just get this over with, <laughs> so we can like get, actually building a civilization without some of these people and without all the things that have led to the rot and without all the things that, of course, have, is now undermining uh, and making uh, making hell uh, out of uh, out of our everyday lives. That would be good. I'd be pro that. But at the same time, you know, there's not much we have to do in that front. I, I think it's more important for us to focus on building uh, as opposed to tearing down. That tearing down is what they do, and in a way, they want you to do that because you 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 essentially do the work for them because these are all corrosive forces, right? Uh, anyway, anyway, if there's someone that focuses on that and think that's a great idea, I mean, sure, I can't stop you. I won't. Go ahead. Uh, but I think we can spend energy and resources far better and starting to, you know, as we said before, lay the foundations now for something that hopefully will be here in, you know, a hundred years from now. And it'll be st the strongest thing around, essentially, right? All right. Thank you, Night Nation Review. Um, halt, Halton, I think it is. H, or H. Lawton, maybe 55, says, uh, a creator is obvious. Religions uh, are man-made. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Uh, there's nothing left to conserve. Night Nation Review says again here, it is time for a radical restoration movement. I, I agree with that. Culture is an expression of DNA. Uh, yes, it is. And the most important thing is the preservation of not just DNA for DNA's sake, but I'm saying the root of who we are is, of course, in our genetics, right? Uh, that's who we are. That's the number one priority. You can, you can live under the worst and most degenerate hostile conditions imaginable. But if you have offspring, if you have children, if you have people continuing that's coming in generations after us, after you, that have essentially like an, an iron will with a, an internal wall that never will be broken, uh, you can you can ride those periods of time out essentially. Meaning, don't you know? You have to equip people that don't fall for the propaganda. You have to equip people that don't want to be. Uh, subjugated to to the global homo kind of things. We have to have resilient individuals that won't fall for the propaganda, for the coercion, for the, you know, basically uh, mix yourself out, right? That's uh, one of the main, main things that they're pushed today. They basically say, oh, if there's uh, if there's one virtue here, it's basically if you just have kids that don't look like you, we'll all, we'll all eliminate racism by getting rid of white people. And that's the big, biggest moral thing that you can do. Uh, which of course is is uh, genocidal, sickening, disgusting, uh, and outright evil. But you can have individuals that can persevere and even live under circumstances that are absolutely hostile to them, almost, right? Not that that's ideal, uh, but as long as they don't fall for the propaganda and continue to have large families and have kids that look like them, pass down their heritage, pass down their culture, um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make it. You know what I mean? But you could argue that's also one of the hardest things potentially, right? How do you how do you kind of equip them now with uh, kind of an, an immunity against these things? And you don't even know what the tricks are going to be in 20 years from now. What technology even they wheel out, right? We've talked about those weird things like the God helmet and stuff. They wheel out 
magnetic and, and, and electromagnetism to like affect people's brains. There's all these crazy stuff that they're doing, right? Uh, technology is a, is, a, is a nightmare, man. Holy smokes. All right. Let me uh, let me do a couple of these here. Uh, a couple of these stories. This will kind of I like a little bit on the on the funnier side of things. Um, our apologies. Google removes anti-Semitic tropes as definition for quote Jew unquote after outcry. This is from uh, December twenty eighth. There. Google, the most used search engine in the world, has changed the results for a search of the term Jew following widespread criticism over its listing an anti-Semitic trope as the first among several definitions. A bargain with someone in a miserly or petty way, said the first result listed under Jew, explaining that, quote, Jew, a noun describing a member of the Jewish people, was transfigured into a derogatory slur in the 19th century to evoke old stereotypes associating Jewish people with trading and money lending. But wait a minute, I thought uh, because Europeans, you know, magically transmitted anti-Semitism across uh, psychic, uh, with psychic capabilities for no reason whatsoever for several hundred years, um, they were so anti-Semitic that the Europeans, uh, that these were the only fields that they could go into. It's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I was forced to start a bank. I just wa- I just walked into this country here and I just started a bank because it was the only thing I could do. The the state gave me full access and full permission to just start lending gold, you know. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, as of Tuesday afternoon, only one definition appears with Jew describing it as quote a member of the people and cultural community whose traditional religion is Judaism and who trace their origins through the ancient Hebrew people of Israel to Abraham. So they cleaned up the search results there. Um, now, I'm not sure why. Here, here we go. Yes, there was the, do they link that tweet? No, they don't. Yeah, here it is. Stopantisemitism.org, is it? Um, something like that. I believe this only happened for a few, like for a few minutes. I, I'm not quite sure how they discovered it, but it seemed to, that seems to imply uh, that people at Stop Antisemitism sits around and regularly Googles the term Jew just to see, <laughs> just to see what results come up, <clears throat> and to, so you know, so that nothing unfavorable, because you can't criticize uh, these people. They're prote- see, they're specially protected. If someone who happens to be Jewish does something, for example, take I don't know George Soros, right? Um, then conveniently you're not allowed to criticize him because that, of course, would be uh, an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. What even if it, what he actually does, he has done, and it's all true. See, so so that 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 we can't have. Uh, however, I don't think if you sit around and Google uh, Europeans or uh, white people or something like that, or uh, you know, I don't know, Amalek or <laughs> or something, right? Uh, I don't think there's the same type of policing going on on that front. All right. Anyway, hell of a story there for you. Here's another one. This is kind of funny, too. I didn't cover this at the time. New York Times slammed over swastika crossword puzzle on first day of Hanukkah. Uh, Quote, disgusting, uh, unquote. The New York Times is being ripped by social media users for publishing what they deemed a swastika-shaped crossword puzzle uh, on the first night of Hanukkah. 
the fraught Sunday brain teaser titled Some Themes Missing <laughs> had been concocted by Washington, D.C.-based consulting manager Ryan McCarthy, who has formulated 22 other puzzles for the paper. Thrilled to have my first Sunday puzzle in the Times. This grid features one of my favorite open middles that I've uh, made as it pulls from a variety of subjects. McCarty gushed in a section of the paper titled Constructor Notes. There it is right here. Uh, I don't know, folks. This this also lends to that, <clears throat> let's call that a trope, right? That uh, the New York Times is actually like an anti-Jewish, like an anti uh, Israeli publication, and, and and it should be mentioned that on a few occasions they have maybe published a story that's like not like super excited about some of the stuff that like Israel does, uh, but of course that's conflated then also automatically into like them being like, oh my God, the uh, what is the family again that owns the New York Times? The Sh- Sh- isn't that like the Schellenbergers or something? And then it turns out that one of them married like a non-Jewish person, and now, of course, they're not even Jewish anymore, apparently. Um, who owns the New York Times? Uh, the Oaks Schultzberger family. That's right. A.G. Schultzberger is a fifth-generation member of the family, and I think there was some like it. They did some technicality there. I think the family has been Jewish, right, for the... For the longest time, and then they got a Gentile into the mix, and now they're like, well, look at, will you look at that? They're clearly anti-Semitic Nazis now in the New York Times, and they hate Jews, everybody. Uh, I guess that's the, uh, that's the take here. And it was also done on Hanukkah, which shows that it was completely intentional, and uh, basically uh, this is a picture here of the editorial board at the New York Times, uh, right there, folks. That's why the New York Post included uh, that right there. Fascinating. He wrote that he'd originally tried to make it a make it work in a 15 by 15 grid, but then decided to expand the grid out to a Sunday Sunday puzzle uh, sized puzzle with a fun whirp, whirlpool design or shape. Now it could be true that like they did they. You might be talking about a person who does not think everything is Nazism, right? There, there's the kind of people who are like, you know, all they see is is like a swastika. You can have, you know, what is it? Some of the fun shapes that they had, like that they found somewhere, right? Wasn't it like, like something like that or something on scribbled on a wall? And then was like, oh my god, it's a swastika. You know, people see that everywhere, kind of thing. But so maybe it's a person that doesn't have that in the forefront, like all the time. So they actually didn't think of it. It, 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 It's highly possible, right? I I wish it was a troll. That would be fun, but I don't think it is, right? Uh, They just didn't think of that because they don't don't focus on that all the time. So it was just, what are you you talking about? It's a whirlpool, and since it's a pixelated shape, this is the only way you can can do it, right? You don't have the granularity. If you had a maybe 50 by 50 or 100 by 100, you could do much more granular. It would actually look like a whirlpool and not like uh, a swastika. But anyway... So anyway, they had to uh, they had to complain on that. Um, yeah, some critics accused the newspaper of subliminal messaging, given its alleged track record of publishing anti-Israel content. So, like, yes, they have criticized Israel on a couple of occasions, uh, but of course, again, that's that convenient shield, right? That if you just if you criticize the actions of someone who's Jewish, then you're an anti-Semite. Uh, if you criticize Israel, uh, then you're an anti-Semite, right? Like these kind of things. 
Uh, today's crossword puzzle from the New York Times for Hanukkah wrote Safe CUNI, a coalition of City University of New York scholars and students dedicated to the Zionist movement, pretty much sums up the New York Times for the past years in regards to Jews and Israel. Man, incredible. They have another picture uh, of the New York Times uh, editorial board here uh, in, uh, in the New York Post. That's fascinating. Anyway. I think that's enough of that. All right. Now, let's talk about one of the main stories here for today. This is this is incredible stuff here. Uh, speaking of the New York Times, by the way, <clears throat> there has never been a better time to be short. Published January first this year, twenty twenty three. Welcome to the new year, by the way. From where I stand. At five feet even, being tall is a widely held fantasy of superiority that long ago should have been retired. It made sense to fawn over height when it facilitated survival ages ago, when the necessity of defending oneself cropped up daily. That's right. There's no reason why we need to defend ourselves, folks. All miraculously, we solved history. Right, we uh, we we, uh, we won the liberal uh, democratic order, the liberal world order won. We uh, we we destroyed history, or, or or we won over history, or history ended. Isn't that what they say? And now, because we're so tolerant, diverse, and 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 uh, you know, homos uh, pro global homo societies, we we don't have to defend ourselves anymore. Isn't that amazing? How how progress just did that for us. If not hourly, tall people could more easily protect their families and bring home some woolly rhino flank. Today, those who have the stamina to sit in an office chair all day bring home the plastic-wrapped meats. Now, that's not wrong, of course, but it's like you, if you think that at some point we're not going to go back to like having to like you know farm or whether that's you know crops or animals or uh, shoot for survival. You're retarded, girl. We'll talk about her in a minute, too, the, the author of this piece here. There is an ongoing debate about the uh, stature of a population and what it means for the prosperity and fairness of a nation. But I'm interested in shortness on an individual level. So again, someone who has a dog in this fight wants everyone else to come down to their level. Isn't that fascinating how that works? Well, I'm short, therefore you have to also be short. Our success as individuals did not depend on beating up other people or animals. <laughs> just, just, that's too early to, to determine that, little girl, okay? Even if it did, in an era of guns and drones, being tall now just makes you a bigger target. <laughs> in Size Matters, the journalist Stephen S. Hall wrote that in the 18th century, Frederick Will William of Prussia paid ex exorbitant sums to recruit giant soldiers from around the globe, institutionalizing the desirability of height for the first time in a large post-medieval society and attaching tangible values to inches that would reverberate into modern times. Is that um, Prussia? Yeah, of course, that's, you know, so that's, yeah, proto-Nazis, basically, right? But is that the, uh, did they have a thing for... Um, Tallness with, with the Hessian troops when they were uh, recruited recruited in the uh, American uh, on the American continent later on. That would be I don't know that maybe that would be interesting if if that's the 
if there's an historical overlap that, but I don't know, I could be wrong on that. The echoes of these early human desires and biases have stuck to our minds like a particularly catchy marketing jingle, so much so that we vote for tall candidates. My God, look at the discrimination here, folks. Assuming that they are better leaders and often chose tall people as partners with no definitive data that they make better spouses. Speaking of political leaders and, and, and people are short, I think we I think that could be contested. I know numerous uh, I know numerous uh, short uh, short people historically that have done uh, some uh, some pretty uh, pretty interesting things. Let me just leave it at that. John Kenneth Galbraith Gal- Galbraith, the six foot eight inch economist and diplomat, suggested that favoring the tall was quote one of the most blatant and forgive forgiven prejudice prejudices in our society. Others go to extremes in pursuit of a few extra inches. More and more people are spending as much as $150,000 to get excruciating limb lengthening surgeries. And parents give their healthy children growth hormone treatments with unknown side effects. Where, what possible other scenario are things like this being used? Hmm. Why are they giving medication to kids to affect the body in some kind? So it's only bad when it's about getting to, that you want to go grow taller. What about uh, what about the the sick society that people like this who's writing the piece have helped to create, where people now intentionally are like breaking their arm to become disabled, or like they can sit in a wheelchair all day long. Hmm, fascinating how that just swings one day one way though. Yeah, giving children uh, ho- hormone. Yeah, who who had ever heard of such a thing? Now, okay, great. Now do the LGBTQ groomer stuff. Let, let's do that next. I know this because I was one of those children. As a preteen, I injected humotrope into my thighs for three and a half years at the behest of my parents, who feared I'd be alienated for being short. I understand why they felt that way, given how short people are treated in our society. Here we go. Latest edition in the victim industrial complex, ladies and gentlemen. Shortness. I don't think I've heard this one before, but uh, here we go. We got we got a new one. A song with the lyric "Short people got no reason to live" was number two on the Billboard Hot 100 just a few years before I was born. <laughs> now I have twins. We're among the smallest in their kindergarten class, but instead of preparing to medicate them because of an antiquated societal bias, I'm going to let them be as they are, tiny. Well, okay, fine. Just leave, just leave everyone else alone. But of course, you won't do that. Because short, here we go, right? Here we go. Short supremacy. Because short is better and it is the future. Look at that. Yep, these people have no no room to talk if anyone else from any other group shows up and claims they're better than others. She's just disqualified herself. We only talk about short stature in a positive light once every four years when uh, Simone Biles dazzles us in a leotard. That has been... Uh, that has left the many advantages enjoyed by short people underappreciated. On average, short people live longer and have lower incidences of cancer. One theory suggests this is the case because with fewer cells, there's less likelihood that one, <laughs> that one goes wrong. I'd take that over dunking a basketball any day. Oh my god. The shorter are also inherently conservationists, which is a more crucial than ever in this world of 8 billion. Thomas Samaras, who has been studying height for 40 years and is known in small circles as the god uh, uh, as the godfather of shrink think. 
a widely unknown philosophy that considers small superior, calculated that if we keep our pro- uh, proportions the same, but we just, uh, but we're just 10% shorter in America alone, we would save. Here we go, 87 million tons of food per year, not to mention trillions of gallons of water, quadrillions of BTUs of energy, and millions of tons of trash. There we go. So basically, the uh, the scarcity think and the great reset and the you have to get uh, we have to somehow uh, alter you or change you think has now steeped itself and attached itself uh, to the fake and gay climate movement. Wow! Uh, wow! I'm so shocked. Who could have guessed that this would ever be the trajectory? I don't want tall people to feel bad about themselves. Samara said sincerely, but the time is right to be short. Short supremacy. Here we go. Parents boast about how their kids, quote, eat them out of the house and home and, quote, grow out of shoes the very week a new pair is bought as it as if it's a badge of honor. My children eat like gerbils. It's fine. They are healthy. And because they're low percentiles, we save money and food. So, again, it's like the whole eat the bugs, get in the pod. And I mean, think those pods will be pretty small. I mean, this it's not going to be for like comfortable for your uh, six feet, you know, uh, four inches tall kind of guy, right? Over what, one, uh, one meter, 90 centimeters, something like that. And they fit into the same pair of shoes for a year. Growing like a weed, no thanks. I'll take it growing like a cactus. Yeah, and, uh, and prickly you are, little short supremacist. Short people don't just save resources, but as resources become scarcer because of the Earth's growing population and global warming. Well, don't worry, we're going to go through a massive depopulation um, era here. Just If we just hang on for a few years, you, you'll see. You, you, you'll see what's actually going to happen. We actually need more people, folks. We need more people that are taller, that are better looking, that are more fit, that are more intelligent. That's the direction we should go. I'm not shitting on anybody who happened to be short, but it's like, but this shitting on people because they're tall bullshit? Outrageous. I'm 6'1", so of course I feel uh, targeted here, folks. My emotions are very hurt by this. They may also be best suited for long-term survival, and not just because more of us will be able to jam into spaceships when we are forced off this planet we wrecked. Look at this mentality, too. <laughs> yeah, what what uh, what candidates do you have out there? They think this is like, look, I like Interstellar, but like, that's not going to happen anytime soon. You know what I mean? Terraform Mars or something? Pfft, forget about it. We can't even run a a functional society anymore. Maybe if we had skipped the diversity bullshit and all this nonsense, maybe would have would have been somewhere today. Maybe if the right guys won the war. <laughs> I'll just say it, okay. Maybe would have maybe we would have been somewhere technologically now, and and we wouldn't just have technology that like seeks to you know change your your uh, brainwave patterns with electromagnetic uh, uh, you know electromagnetism or whatever the hell it is they're using. <clears throat> and here we go. Of course, we got to quote one of the uh, World Economic Forum advisors too to to make it uh, to to uh, to get a full. Uh, to go full circle here, Og. Yuval Noah Harari, in his book *Sapiens*, wrote that wrote about a population of early humans who inhabited the island called Flores. Uh, yeah, is it the uh, 
the hobbits, right? The Flor Flor Australiensis Flor Florensis, was that what they call them? I think that's it, right? Because of a rise in sea level, the island was cut off from other landmasses. Big people who need a lot of food died first, Mr. Harari wrote. Well, it's a good thing we don't live on an island with the uh, rising sea levels then, is it? You'll see, we're heading into a monitor minimum. The Milankovitch cycle is coming back around and it's going to start getting real goddamn real cold here uh, within the, the, the next, um, I don't know. Let, let's give it five years. Let's check in, put a book, bookmark in this and let's see where we are in five years. After generations, the people on the island evolved to reach only three and a half feet tall. They could do everything bigger humans could, make tools, hunt, but they could also stay alive when times got tough. When you, and here it is, right? When you mate with shorter people, you're potentially saving the planet by shrinking the needs of subsequent generations. Lowering the height minimum for prospective partners on your dating profile is a step towards a greener planet. <laughs> That's the line. So basically, uh, this is the, uh, the bat signal here that we are going to need to have to do something about these goddamn tall people. Okay? And if we, can, and if we can't do it by, by forcing them, we're, we're going to have to get into your genetics and change them. And we'll get that too, by the way. Should I, re should I read the rest of this? Yeah, let me read the rest. Let's see where she goes here. Nancy Blaker, I'll, I'll play a couple of clips in a moment. She's not the first ones to, uh, to think this way, by the way. Nancy Blaker, a Netherlands-based researcher who at one time studied social status, said that short men, countering to prevailing stereotypes, may compensate for being short by developing positive attributes. So basically she's saying tall people have no positive attributes. Okay, got it. If you, dis if you dismiss one, right, that means you're, you're, you're saying the other don't have. You didn't even evolve any kind of good characteristics. You think you're going to ride through life of your, on your banana peel of, of, uh, of tallness and get away with it? I don't think so. It is not about being aggressive and mean, she said. Shorter men behave in smart, strategic ways, and that can also mean being pro-social. My husband, who is five foot six, said it would have been easier to be tall than to have... Is this the Netherlands? Because I think the Dutch... I know, Netherlands, Dutch, uh, the Deutsch, Deutsch in Germany, they speak Deutsch in the Netherlands. It's very confusing. I, I know. But anyway, trust me, I, I got this one right. The Dutch are, I believe, some of the tallest, uh, in least in Europe, I think. And then you have not too far after. There's some like really tall in like one of the Balkan countries, too, I think. Uh, but then it's, I think it's Sweden, Norway, Finland region. After that, uh, anyway, so again, you know, we, who who are we targeting here, right? Because, of course, no one would go. Uh, do, she did say bon, dunk a basketball. She did say that. But I bet you, I bet you they would never talk about how, like, disproportionately large, uh, let's say, some black people are, for example. <laughs> she would never do that. This is like, is basically shitting on tall white people. That, that's what I'm getting from this, anyway. Um Anyway, so, so, so the point is, if this uh, woman here, Nancy Blaker, Netherlands-based researcher, has a husband in the Netherlands who are five foot six, uh, he's going to be dwarfed by a bunch of people over there uh, because they're pretty tall uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, which I think is wonderful, by the way. It's great. I'm not shitting on you if you're short, but I'm saying 
what's wrong with being tall, okay? There's, she's saying it's wrong being tall because you're destroying the planet. And you're, you're like, you're, it's terrorism. You being tall is terrorism. And we're, we're going to have to deal with that, okay? We have to deal with you somehow. My husband, who's five, five foot six, said it would have been easier to be tall than have to put effort into developing his wit. But I know we wouldn't be married if he didn't make my cheeks hurt from smiling so hard on our first date. The problem is we are still under the illusion, as a general principle, that more always adds value. It was my former endocrinologist from Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. Yeah, have you thought about if there's any, is there any environmental reasons perhaps? We know that the, all the gender-bending chemicals, which endocrinologists uh, partially study, right, because it hits the endocrine system. Uh, it's leading to all kinds of weird birth defects and problems. And, of course, there's a speculation here, too, that uh, people swing towards uh, homosexual uh, if, of course, they have more, uh, uh, you know, estrogen-mimicking chemicals in them and things like this. But, of course, let's not, again, let's not talk about those uh, inconvenient truths. Let's just uh, shit on the, the tall people. <clears throat> Alberto Hayek, who laid it out for me. When I tracked down the, uh, okay, the, 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 this is the endocrinologist, Alberto Hayek, who laid it out for me. When I tracked down the doctor who is now retired, I asked why parents whose children have no underlying medical conditions sought growth hormone treatment for them. Well, how do you know they don't? That's my point as well. He said the pursuit of height made sense in a capitalistic society. There you go. So to go full commie, full-blown AIDS, we have to basically... Uh, literally now start chopping off the legs of people. This was a was one of these uh, funny things that people talked about, right? If you had a talented uh, ballet dancer or something. I mean, think about equity is really that, right? Equity as opposed to equality where you then give people, here's, you know, here's what we all have to work with. Let's divide this equally. And that's not always right either, but you get my point, right? Yeah, here's what we have. Here's resources. Let's give it equally to these people and see what they do with it. It's that like, no, if you excel, if you're above, if you're beyond, you need to be torn down. You need to be taken down. It's never about lifting up people. It's about taking them down. And that's what this article is about. It's about ensuring that tallness or, or uh, you know, the properties of being tall as a human is beginning to be frowned upon. It's capitalism. Everything is big, he said. The buildings, the businesses. What do you mean? What about cell phones? I mean, at least for a while there, they were getting smaller. What about supercomputers? <laughs> what about nanotechnology? There are things in our society that's actually like getting smaller all the time, and that's the that's the striving of the free market and capitalism. He went on to explain that parents reflected the mindset that bigger is better when envisioning their offspring. Another endocrinologist, Ada Grimberg the scientific director of the Growth Center at Children's Hospitals of Philadelphia. Uh, is that the one that are, uh, knows Boston's uh, Children's Hospital, right? They were actually uh, well, cutting people's kids' uh, genitals off, um, preferably behind the backs of their parents. But, yeah, if we have to, we'll, we'll bring them in. On, and we'll, we'll, we'll walk out and we'll say, if you don't let your daughter become a boy, they'll commit suicide. Is, is it not better to have a daughter that's alive? Uh, than a son that's dead. Hmm? Oh, yes. Yes, Mr. White Coat, of course. Of course. You make a lot of sense. Sloganeering and, and, uh, and fear-mongering is, you sold me on the, you sold me, the, sold me on the idea. Now, let's ensure that they can't even reproduce anymore. I mean, maybe that's a bigger issue. 
as opposed to being tall, they can't even have kids at all because you've chemically castrated your, your offspring. Maybe that's, I don't know, call me crazy. Maybe that's a bigger problem. Anyway, this uh, whatever gay guy uh, at the Children's Hospital said that though heightism exists, concerned parents wrongly think height is the key to success and belonging. There are some short people who thrive and do phenomenally well and lead fantastic lives. And there are some, it, see, I didn't even know that this was like part of the grievance pyramid, but, you know, you learn something new every day. And there are, <coughs> there are some tall people who are miserable. Dr. Grimberg said, it is not the height in and of itself that determines the outcome. I agree. As a short person, I've found the only thing I can't do is grab things high off high, sh high shelves. Oh, really? Is that is that it? But that works out fine at the grocery store because tall people love to reach for things. It makes them feel like their excessive limbs still have purpose. Oh, so you like to uh, manipulate them and get your way? Great. In some corners of the world, a celebration of short stature is actually happening. Arne Hendricks, a six foot four inch lecturer and artist, uses performance and exhibitions to encourage people to embrace fewer inches. He's even restricted dairy from his son's diets and only allows them minimal sugar in an attempt to limit their growth. I don't know, sugar? What kind of sugar? Like sugar as in... I mean, your food is converted to sugars, right? Anyway, but... but I mean, yes, refined sugar, yes, that, that I think would, I would inhibit growth, I would assume. That's bad, right? All kinds of sugars, like artificial sugars and high fructose corn syrup and stuff like that. I think what they have to worry about more so is the, ex is the enormous swelling that seems to be happening of people because they're eating all the GMO garbage. And uh, yeah, again, high fructose corn syrup has definitely have something to do with that. That, I think, is a much bigger problem than this. On Hendricks, where is he? Uh, what is he? Uh... Oh, no, he's a very Swedish name. That's what I'm asking. Is that is a Swedish guy? Six foot four inches. Yeah, so then he's intentionally withholding uh, dairy from his sons because he, don't, he doesn't want them to grow tall? Are you kidding me? That's child abuse. Sugar, yeah, fine, that's fine. Um, he's trying to save them from the ills of height. It's time for tall people to get off our high horses, Mr. Hendricks said. Don't be overly confident when you are tall because you are probably going to die younger, have more health problems, and you're polluting more. <laughs> the future I envision different. I want my children's children to know the value of short. I want them to be three feet tall, like just the, like the hobbits of uh, uh, Australiensis uh, Florensis. I want them to call themselves short drinks of water with legs for minutes, while one yells, I'm the shortest. I hope the other will bend his knees to gain an advantage, shouting, No, I'm the shortest. All right. So uh, here is the uh, author here of this piece, Gross Anatomy. It's a, it's a commie, a, gr a gross communist that I've written this, who basically want to make sure that humans... See how every aspect they have to control of your life? They have to make you more malleable, uh, easily to control. You, you can't defend yourself. And they try to argue that, well, we live in a progressive world where we don't even have to anymore. 
let me let me search for one piece. You reminded me. I put I put it on our Telegram, but yes, there it is. Perfect. We'll show that in a moment too. Gross anatomy, dispatches from the front and back. Mara Altman. Altman. Imagine my shock. Mara Altman wrote this uh, piece, shitting on tall people and trying to initiate the attack on uh, on tall people. Uh, so yes, she wrote the book Gross Anatomy with some woman here, her, her gross unshaved legs. Uh, and here she is, folks. What was she again? Five, five, four? What was she? Around the, around the gray alien height, right? That's her. You know, I wrote this book to kind of investigate why we feel the way we feel about our bodies. They always have to put they always have to put gross shit in your face and they love that. That's like that's their interest. But a wonderful bonus was kind of realizing that we all have such a big variation. Okay, so that has changed since that book then. Now you don't want variation. Being tall is is not good. So here's the next level to this, right? And actually, speaking to mating, let me show this BBC piece then before we go into the genetic engineering stuff because that's coming, right? Human species may split in two. Remember H.G. Wells, the uh, time traveler or the time machine, right? They, talk, they, they showed that essentially you had a grunt race and like a superior race kind of taken over. And that's what this BBC piece back from 2006 wrote about. They uh, Again, they, they interviewed someone from the London School of Economics, which, of course, is Fabian socialist uh, origins, right? It's the same as um, uh, the, uh, uh, the... Is it The Guardian? No, which is the public... No, it's not The Guardian. They have another publication to a news publication uh, that basically is like, you know, joined at the hip with the London School of Economics. Anyway, they, they push a lot of nonsense, commie stuff there too, cultural Marxist stuff. Um Anyway, so this evolutionary theorist, Oliver Curry, uh, a genetic, says he expects a genetic upper class and a dim-witted underclass to emerge. Look at the picture there. Do you know, do you know who they want the elite to be? I'm not saying they are that. And I'm not necessarily against an elite either. But however, the, the one we have currently like rising up is, is the worst one, right? Um, but yes, the, the, the usual suspects want to be that, right? The, the, the Klaus Schwab, the... Uh, the Bill Gates, the Larry Finks, that they, they want to be that, and then, and then, they want to have this other, uh, other thing, this this raceless heritage less. Why can't I move? There we go. Raceless heritage less uh, grunt that have no allegiances to anything uh, but to global homo. Uh, if you ever want to know what their goal is. Let this guy from the London School of Economics tell you. Now, the only difference is, going back to Altman here, writing, he sa she says we need to mate. Let me go up here. Where to go? When you mate with shorter people, you're potentially saving the planet by shrinking the needs of subsequent generations. So she's, she's entering onto a path of mating, which is the same uh, stance that the BBC piece takes. The human race would peak in the year 3000, he said, before a decline due to dependence on technology. That's already happened. Look at TikTok brain, folks. We're, we're heading for the cliff. Man, we're heading there the next 20 years. People would become choosier about their sexual partners, causing humanity to divide into subspecies, he added. 
the descendants of the genetic upper class would be tall, slim, healthy, attractive, intelligent, and creative, and a far cry from the underclass humans who would have evolved into dim-witted, ugly, squat, goblin-like creatures. <laughs> That's what they want. And then, of course, race ironed out. See where this is going, folks? Mm-hmm. But in the near future, humans will evolve in thousand years into giants between six feet tall and seven feet tall. No, not if these, not if Altman gets her way. He predicts while lifespans have exceeded to 120 years, so live longer and be taller. Hmm. London School of Economics, your 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 commie partner there, Altman, is uh, contradicting you right here. Physical appearance, driven by indicators of health, youth, and fertility, will improve, he says. While men will exhibit symmetrical facial features, look athletic, and have squared jaws, deeper voices, and bigger penises. <laughs> Here we go. Victory, men. Am I right? Now, this is what they want to change right here. They don't, they don't want to have taller, better, you know, bigger, deeper voices, symmetrical features, all that kind of stuff. They want an ugly grunt race that's easily controlled. And I think they will not rely on you making the right uh, mating choice. So they're going to have to take stronger measures, which is going to be genetic engineering. We'll get to that in a moment. Women, on the other hand, will develop lighter, smooth, hairless skin, large, clear eyes, pert breast, glossy hair, and even features, he adds. Racial differences will be ironed out by interbreeding producing a uniform race of coffee-colored people. <laughs> so this is like a, uh, first of all, that's not going to happen. But see what their, little, uh, what their little utopia is here at the London School of Economics, right? Sure, we'll have supremacist features, of course, the elites, right? Like we'll have, we'll be taller, huge penises, you know, amazing symmetry. Um, but we'll, we'll all be coffee-colored, of course, of course we'll be, no race, it'll be a, a virtual uh, Garden of Eden. However, Dr. Curry warns, in 10,000 years' time, humans may have paid a genetic price for relying on technology. Spoiled by gadgets designed to meet their ever needs, they could become to resemble domesticated animals. That's already happening. Receding chins, I think that's also happening, right? That's, uh, what's the, uh, oh, what's the name? He studied the tribes in Switzerland and other native tribes. Um, their diets, right? The animal fats and, and raw milk and stuff. What's his name, Chad? Oh, my God. Can't believe I'm forgetting. He had a whole uh, field, a whole school. What's his name again? Anyway, he did that, right? He talked about even how a grain-based diet is leading to, like, you know, uh, chins that are basically disappearing, right? Social skills such as communication and interacting with others could be lost. <laughs> That's already happening too. Again, check TikTok brain. That's all happening. Uh, along with emotions such as love, sympathy, trust, and respect. Yeah, well, hate have already eradicated, right? People could would become less able to care for others or perform in teams. Anyway, it goes on there. I'm not going to read the rest. But the, the point is, uh, the logical outcome would be two subspecies, gracile and robust humans similar to the Eloi and the Morlocks foretold in the H.G. Wells novel, 1895 novel, The Time Machine. Did anybody have, what's the, what's the scientist's name again? Man, someone's got to have that. All right, so anyway, so how, why we're going to get there much quicker. 
Scientists take a harder look at genetic engineering of human embryos. The Atlantic. We love the Atlantic here at Red Ice. How engineering the human body could combat climate change. There it is. From drugs to help you avoid eating meat to genetically engineering cat-like eyes to reduce the need for lighting. <laughs> there you go, sir. Turn off the lights. It's like Greta Thunberg, right? I've turned... Where's... Okay, we gotta play that clip, right? Uh, we just played this in the Weekend Warrior show, but this is... Sorry, Western Warrior. Shit. Western Warrior. We've officially rebranded. All right. Um, listen to this here, Greta Thunberg. This is what they want. They, they want you to sit in the dark, do nothing at all. Again, get in the pod... And this is the perfect encapsulation of what Greta Thunberg wanted, right? Uh, start turning off the lights. It's like we're not even here. Not even here. Don't leave an imprint. Don't leave a legacy. Certainly don't make an impact on anything at all. Of course, when you're a child, when you're like 8 or 10 or 11 years old, there is not much that you can really do to make a big difference. So then you start small. I started with turning off the lights at home to save energy. And that led to another thing, which led to another thing. Uh, and eventually I stopped flying. I stopped. I, I became vegan and so on. And then I, I got oh, my parents course. to do that too, because I started talking to them. And they started to listen to my concerns. And by making them change, it also gave me the sort of courage that I needed to to move on to start school striking all right anyway get the point this is the uh Thunberg, <clears throat> yeah the one with a huge you know she has a huge he is a huge thorn in the side uh, of the global elites right they certainly don't want you to turn off the lights and sit in a cold room uh, wasting no energy uh, with uh, cat-like uh, genetically engineered eyes and uh, four feet tall no 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 of course not. Uh, there's others, bioethicists. Let me uh, see here. Uh, his name is Dr. Matthew Liao, a bioethicist who is linked to the World Economic Forum, called for human beings to be genetically altered to become smaller in size and meat intolerant in the name of fighting climate change. Let's begin with the uh, short comment here. Actually, let's, no, let's do it in reverse. Here's the making you uh, allergic to meat. Let's do that one first. So I'll give two examples. So one is that uh, people eat too much meat, right? And if they were to cut down on their consumption on meat, then they would, uh, it would actually really help the planet. Uh, but people are not willing to give up meat. Yeah, you know, some people will be willing to, but other people, they may be willing to, but they sort of, they have a weakness of will. They say, wow, this, this steak is just too juicy. I can't do it. I, I'm one of those, by the way. So, you know, but so here's the thought, right? So it turns out that we know a lot about, so there, we have these, intolerance to, uh, so I, for example, I have milk intolerance. Um, uh, and there's some people are intolerant to crayfish. So possibly we can use hu human engineering to make it the case that we're intolerant to certain kinds of meat, to certain kinds of bovine, uh, bovine proteins. And there's actually analogs of this in life. There's this thing called the long star tick, where if it bites you, you will become allergic to meat. Uh, I can sort of describe the mechanism. So that's something that we can do through human engineering. We can kind of uh, ad possibly address really big world problems through human engineering. Another example is, and uh, you go uh, first. Yeah. <laughs> and another example is sort of, and here I'll go first, right? Uh, you'll see that uh, I'm the smallest person here, right? And uh, well, um, yeah, well, yeah Amy's I, the smallest person. So it turns out that the larger you are, 
think of the lifetime sort of greenhouse gas emissions that are required to sort of the energy that's required to transport larger people rather than smaller people, right? <laughs> um, but if we're smaller, just by 15 centimeters, right? It, that's a mass. Uh, you know, I did the math, and it's about mass reduction of 25%, which well, is huge. The math and 100 it, years ago, we're all on the average smaller, about 50, exactly about 15 centimeters smaller. Right. So think of just the, you know, like lifetime greenhouse gas emissions if we had smaller children. Right. And so that's something that we could do through some well, sort so of human. Could we like setting? Yeah. <clears throat> I think I have to watch the rest of that. So could we how do we can we how do we go about this? Because this sounds very exciting. So see the piece back from 2006. Uh, even then was not able to kind of predict where this is or, or, or was going with uh, genetic engineering, <clears throat> right? Which is kind of uh, fascinating when you think about it, how much things have changed in that timeline. And now they're basically like, no, we're going to we're going to forcibly engineer uh, humans. Uh, or let's say that we do have some kind of fertility issue or crisis because, oh, I don't know, they started giving people, I don't know, experimental shots or something like that. I don't know. Crazy, right? Will never happen. And so you have an infertility issue so that the state will now have to start to uh, you know, mandate the the creation of X amount of humans each year so that civilization itself can even just perpetuate itself. But as usually, as usual, we don't do things for for humans. We don't do it for us. We do it just for the sake of civilization being able to, uh, you know, survive. Uh, which is like we are becoming like an obsolete part of that now. Eventually we'll be like, I don't know, androids or like genetically engineered uh, you know, Blade Runners or something that would like will will be the new uh, keepers, I guess, of of civilization. And kind of pesky, tall humans will just be meh. Can we just get rid of that altogether? AI is running things very efficiently right now. Um, so let's 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 just let technology solve all our issues. Uh, here's the World Economic Forum. How engineering animals and plants could help fight climate change. That's right. We got to get in there and manipulate absolutely everything. I think there is a video here. Let's see if this is appropriate. Oh, good. Some more pluck instrument uh, tunes. Might not be in relation here. This is like coral reefs. All right, maybe this is. I thought they had. So I was searching, and I was like, "Oh, good, they have a video about this." Okay, sorry, that's uh, that's not it then. But anyway, hope you enjoy that wonderful uh, uh, music there for a little bit because <clears throat> we do like love our xylophones uh, and pluck instruments here uh, by the World Economic Forum. Uh, okay, Lycan Warriors says. Toxic gender relations is another huge sign of... So oh, that one we did. Uh, let's do this one. Here we go. Got the wrong one. Odyssey. Here we go. Uh, Night Nation Review says, email sent. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's good. Uh, you, I'll get back to you. Zio Free says, height discrimination, the new Zionist destructive weapon. There you go. Well, again, they don't want you to be able to fight back. That's the, that's the bottom line. They want you to be dependent and weak and feeble. And then, well, the, you know, everything is safe now. Uh, we don't have, there's no violence out there. We've solved all of this. 
Cyrofree says, world is effed, effed up. Height is becoming controversial. What's next? People with brown hair as a new victim class? That will never happen, I think. But I, I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a victim industrial complex. That's what this is about. And there's always... Oh, progress will guarantee an endless supply of new victim groups. And this is just the latest one. Uh, Saifree says, if you're 5'6 in the Netherlands, you're probably classified as handicapped. That's right. Uh, Saifree again, how about stopping wars, carbon footprint, destruction of land, bombs, contamination of land, water, poisoning people that affect civilization? They, elites, just want depopulation with profit growth. Yeah, they, this is an insurance policy for them so that they can continue. But everyone else, they want dependent and now small uh, in the pod, eating the bugs, uh, don't leave a, a mark on the earth, and just uh, what's the purpose? I guess the purpose at the end of the day, if they even want us around to be to at all, uh, is to basically just serve as a battery. I guess it it is the matrix a little bit. It's it's just to serve as some kind of input energy uh, for the machine, essentially. Thank you, Zyfri. Uh Black Phillips says, uh, "Happy New Year, Henrik." Regarding the limb lengthening surgery, tech bros are starting to get this. Uh, but apparently awful. But it's apparently awful. Yeah, oh my God. Life, lifelong pain and lose the ability to run properly uh, and lose that ability permanently. Uh, short cells should just wear lifts uh, and they are... <laughs> short cells should just wear lifts if they are desperate. There you go. Yeah, I mean, again, it's funny how it's like the we should accept everybody as they are kind of, you know, class of, of people... Are now like no, we're gonna need we're not, we're gonna need to get in there and like genetically engineer you, uh, and uh, oh, did I finish that point? That oh, let, let's assume infertility strikes right um, on a mass scale, the the state takes over the role of beginning to like reproduce people for civilization's sake. That's where I dropped off and I'll pick it up from there. Do you know how easy it would be that like these new humans that they create they would not only genetically engineer they'd, they'd be like wards of the state essentially they'd be like owned by some corporation or something or they'd be a completely new classified type of of human being and in fact even if you engineer the right parts of you you could potentially have uh patents being taken out kind of like the, what they've done with the tomato genetically right um you change what you can't patent a natural tomato but if you change a few of the genes According to at least United States Supreme Court law, forget what the law is called now, we've highlighted it a couple of times, uh, you are legally able to patent that tomato. So they've done this with, for example, adding fish genes into tomatoes so that they can resist frost, so they can grow them year-round, for example. That's a patented tomato, which is owned by somebody. So if someone you know, grows that tomato, they need to pay a license fee to the owner. Same thing would happen with humans, essentially, where you'd have certain genetic... Uh, Codes altered. Hmm, makes me think of something else that has been altered. But anyway. Uh, and then potentially you could take a uh, patent on those humans. Fascinating. It's just an endless amount of possibilities here in this dystopian uh, <laughs> nightmare that's being painted by our uh, wonderful elites. Anyway, so but look out for that because I think engineering uh, is, is something that they are going to do. I think it's going to be the end of them too, by the way. I think it's going to be overdone too much and they're going to turn themselves into to just weird freaks essentially but uh, but short term if they do pull it off if they do manage to use crispr technology in such a way that they can actually make themselves i mean insert any pro I, I, ironically this is what's so weird about it right the the same class of people 
they were like, oh, this is Nazism or, you know, whatever it is, right? Uh, to try to improve yourself, right? If, you, if you're doing it naturally, if you intentionally want, you know, offspring that are, you know, better looking or, you know, they have certain traits, they pass down traits that you have or something like that, right? That's Nazism. Oh, my God, that's what the, the, the Nazis did, blah, blah, blah. They would be number one on human alteration technologies. If you could genetically engineer people to have different eyes, look different and stuff like that. Oh, my. They would do this in a heartbeat. And I think articles like this prove that, too. They're all excited about this. And they will say, well, this is to save the climate, you know, kind of thing or whatever. We're, we're saving humanity. Ay, ay, ay. It is crazy, crazy times. Cra crazy times, rather. All right, um, World Economic Forum, I guess we're coming up. We can, we can wrap up here. Uh, we have some more stories to cover, uh, but we'll, what we'll do is we'll save those for tomorrow. Uh, Flashback Friday, we have uh, iHypocrite joining us uh, tomorrow as a guest host. I think that will be a, uh, a good show. Tune in for that. We'll start a little bit later than normal, so we'll start around uh, 7.30 Eastern. That is uh, 4.30 Pacific, and that is 1.30 a.m. Central European time. Uh, so look out for that. Yeah, we had some stuff on. We'll see if we can squeeze that in tomorrow. I want to do a segment on what the hell is happening at the Bahamas, right? Because you have the Sam Bankman freed uh, all that property that he bought at the Bahamas. They were also involved in those weird, some kind of weird, like, sex cult type of, you know, things that they were doing at, at these uh, properties that they had. He gave some of them to his parents, but then they had an F FDX center there and stuff like that, too. Uh, but the, the pedos, they love their islands, right? So you had Peter Nygaard, or Peter Nygaard, he was born in Finland, actually, which is basically, he's it's, it's Finnish-Canadian, so, but, but, you know, he had Canadian citizenship. Uh, he's known as, the, as Canada's, you know, Jeffrey Epstein, essentially. He had this weird, like, the quest for immortality and all these things, all these disgusting clips we have with him, talking about, like, all the different materials he wanted. He was very into his black women, by the way. Not only the genetic material, but the, anything that came from them, including, yes, the, the poop. He liked to eat that. He, he, was, in, he was a scato scatologist. He was uh, a, a big fanboy of that, by the way. So, of course, the most sickening weirdo you can imagine. But, yes, he was also developing these, uh, you know, life extension technologies and in, injecting stem cells and all kinds of things. He bought, bought eggs and aborted fetuses from black women and things, weird shit like this. Um, but he had, of course, his whole compound at the Bahamas <laughs> just by accident, right? So there's some stuff that we can talk about. Uh, if nothing else, I might do that in the uh, Western Warrior Show or something like that. But that's, I think that's a pretty good segment, interesting one. Uh, but otherwise, we'll be, we'll be hitting that tomorrow with iHypocrite, uh, to be honest. So let's, let's wrap up with this one here since we're talking about the World Economic Forum. And genetically alter us to be shorter. They are plotting to counter misinformation at its 2023 annual meeting. And, of course, we also have uh, Zelensky uh, coming for a visit. Uh, let's see if he puts on a suit for this one, or maybe he's uh, joining remotely with this uh, uh, olive military gear. We'll see what happens. The international group wants to predict and mitigate what it determines to be misinformation. The WEF, an unelected global organization that seeks to shape global, regional, and industry agendas, has announced a schedule for its 2023 annual meeting, which includes a panel on countering misinformation. The panel is titled Countering Threats in the Age of Black Swans and will take place on January 18th, 2023 at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Uh, 9 a.m., sorry, Eastern Standard Time. 
The description for the panel doesn't define misinformation, but claims that, quote, a wide range of actors have access to an ever-increasing capacity to spread misinformation. This capacity, according to the World Economic Forum, is supposedly compounding, quote, threats that were once consider considered outliers. During the panel, speakers will discuss how to predict, mitigate, and counter these threats that are supposedly aggravated by misinformation. While the panel description doesn't define misinformation, a recent post promoting the WF's agenda meeting suggests that the group deems criticism of the World Economic Forum itself and challenging mainstream COVID-19 narratives to be misinformation. In this post, the WF complains that it has been targeted, oh no, by disinformation campaigns. I'm so sorry. You got your feelings hurt? And links to another post where its managing director, Adrian Monk, suggests that criticism of the WF's controversial you'll owe nothing and you'll be happy slogan is tied to a misinformation campaign. In addition to branding criticism of this slogan, let me see, let me read it again. In addition to branding criticism of this slogan, misinformation, Monk also laments misinformation concerning COVID-19 and vaccines. Not only does Monk brand these topics misinformation, but he also claims that misinformation derails free speech. There you go. Let's uh, let's have the cake and 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 eat it and then uh, and then sell it too. That's right. By by removing people's speech, we're protecting uh, people's ability to speak. That that makes total sense. And calls for action to prevent lies and lies being accepted as truth. <laughs> well, did you did you not do those? Uh, okay, one more line here. Oh, here we go. Okay, this post by Monk is one of many examples of the WF pushing for censorship of what it deems to be misinformation. The WF and the global leaders that attend its meeting previous have previously outlined outlined sorry how big tech partners with intergovernmental organizations like the United Nations to tackle disinformation. The demand that social media companies crack down on rumors and pushed for the use of artificial intelligence AI in order to censor misinformation. All right, Clabby. We'll see you at the annual uh, meeting here coming up. Fascinating stuff, as always. Space Kang over on uh, Entropy says, I don't think they have figured out that uh, interbreeding leads to dysgenic features. Yeah, they... Um, I thought, though, they, triple parentheses, have one of the most uh, out outbred... I, I could be wrong. There could be certain maybe groupings, in, in, in whether it's like in... Uh, subgroups of triple parentheses they uh, but I th otherwise I think it's very widely distributed right uh, I believe that's one of the studies I read anyway so it was like you couldn't you could you can find it like genetically like but the distribution is like you know all over the place essentially uh, talking about Jews here by the way. <clears throat> Black Phillips says before you go I assume you talked about the movie The Norseman that was a while ago yeah Hollywood often gets Vikings wrong by portraying them as savage raiders when in reality they were most interested in trade yeah we've covered it a little bit I thought it was some good elements I liked that they brought in some of the kind of spiritual stuff but yes there was a few scenes and we talked about that at the time uh, where they kind of just uh, Alexander Skarsgård played kind of the main guy they, they especially go to 
like an eastern encampment, probably in the Baltics in the film. And he's just kind of, he's standing around like this, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I like the aesthetics of some of it. It was, it was fairly well done. And uh, what was the name? The direct Egbert something. I forget that director's name. He genuinely seemed to be interested in it. You always said to wonder why the bankroll some of this stuff. And that's, you know, for one, it could be suspicious. But yes, you're right that usually it's a derailment kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, you'll take what you get. You can get. Um, it was obviously not perfect, but there was a couple of things where it's like, all right, that's 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 a little different, right? That's it's not the usual portrayal only kind of thing. But yeah, no, we we covered that quite at the time, uh, quite quite a lot at the time. Uh, Black Phillip when that came out, uh, so you can always search uh, for Norseman. I think you will get a few hits on that. Uh, to be honest, okay. Thank you guys. Appreciate you joining us here today. Let me make sure we're caught up here. Butch Cassidy says. Hi, Henrik, have you ever seen the movie Downsizing? I've heard of that. The purpose of the movie was obvious to me from the first time I saw it, Downsizing. Yeah, it's the same as, and this could actually be part of it, but there's been this very popular trend um, of the, uh, what is it called, microhomes, or what do they call them? My, micro, is it, maybe that's not the term they use, but something similar to that, right? Again, it's this leave no footprint, you're living. And of course, most of the time there's some kind of, well, whether it's a, a real estate show or like, you know, interior decoration type show that are showing off these homes, like my, come and see my crib kind of thing shows. It's, of course, always like young, white, liberal uh, people that are, that are doing this, right? Um, but yeah, it's probably part of that tradition, I would say. I'll check it out because it's always interesting. But yeah, now we have another dimension to downsizing, which is basically, yes, let's genetically engineer you uh, so we can make you smaller so that uh, you can uh, be easily controlled and you can't fight back against giant robots we're going to build. Uh, Man Among the Ruins says the U.S. Virgin Islands is suing Goldman Sachs for helping Epstein. I saw that. Biden vacations at the Virgin Islands and then the prosecutor gets fired. Yeah, wasn't that the... Wasn't that the um, was that the same, or maybe there was an AG? What was it again? It was someone in Ukraine that had ties to the Ukraine thing that was fired? Maybe this is the second one. I wouldn't be surprised. Or maybe that's the same person. But yes, I saw that, uh, which is very interesting. I hope it. I hope it gets somewhere. Did I save that headline? Maybe I didn't. Anyway, yeah, I showed it briefly. I think in the last Friday show. Uh, but yeah, that's good stuff. We'll keep an eye on that. See what comes out of that. Hopefully, did they do it? But yeah, Bahamas. Virgin Islands, that whole area is like f just peppered with like weirdo pedophiles and transhumanists and all kind of stuff. They, they they definitely run things off of from an island, right? Remember the old uh, uh, I'm not a I'm not a number. I'm a man. The prisoner. Remember that the island that was <laughs> the, think like that, but only like ten times more bizarre. But they had that kind of like little. Ice white type shut before ice white type shut like aesthetic going in the series. Forget the uh, the uh, actor's name too. Um, actually, for, I, I enjoy that. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, the prisoner, nineteen sixty seven to nineteen sixty eight. Check out that. Here it is, right? Patrick McGuan. That's right. Yeah, good stuff. Check that out. It was gonna be. They they had some interesting stuff like that in there. But anyway, point is the 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 island, right? That's what it is. They they, they do shit on islands all the time. They had like done like an invention, or they were somehow not beneficial to society because they didn't want to move forward. So they took these super smart, intelligent in individuals, 
and removed them from society and basically dragged them and put them on this island so that they will be like you know out of play they, they won't do anything weird and, and like something that could actually contribute to uh, improving our situation all right anyway going over time here thank you guys for joining me today appreciate you uh, lots of love uh, to all of you i want to say thank you to our executive producers here at the end of the show as well T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, President Ubunga, Quetch Me If You Can. Also, thanks to Mongoose, William Fox, Angry White Soccer Mom, The Second Wanderer, Operation Werewolf, The Ride Never Ends, and our latest additions, Francis Parker Yaki, Dill Bob, Level 104 Light, and Last Place Simp. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. We also have our producers. Mr. Walker 696, Yuan Leroy Dumond, Snark Pup, Eyes Open, Mr. Lemery, and Yuri New. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. All very, very nice of you uh, of being producers or executive producers. Check out the latest uh, Weekend Warrior show, of course, uh, as I said as well. Uh, if you do like our work and want to support us, definitely check out our memberships. We have them available at RedEyesMembers.com. You can sign up at Subscribeshow.com slash RedEyes and also at Odyssey.com at Red Eyes TV. Uh, we've had an issue, some of you have written, if you get a no such customer when you try to use your credit or debit card at RedEyesMembers.com, you can always send us an email. We use one of the other two options we have here, or you can try DonorBox.org forward slash Red Eyes, and you can do it there. Always remember, we have some other payment methods too, by the way, available uh, on RedEyesMembers.com. If you choose the other non-credit card option, uh, we actually have some options for you there. Uh, so you can use those as well, whatever is convenient and works for you. But remember, you always have to send us an email so we can manually activate uh, your account uh, as well. And if one of you has fallen through the cracks because it's been you know tumultuous over the last you know month or so here, we're finally getting back to you know normalcy. Uh, but uh, if you've fallen through the cracks, always remember to email us, let us know uh, what's going on that you've signed up and you know that you haven't gotten your account activated. And we'll take care of that asap. So thank you guys. We appreciate your patience. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us. Back tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, together with iHypocrite. We'll uh, see you then. Take care. Thank you for watching. Go to RedIceMembers.com and sign up for our exclusive members content. Don't miss our latest shows, interviews, and other videos only for subscribers. You can also become a member by signing up at Subscribestar.com forward slash RedIce. Get full access and help support our work. See you on the other side.